Hello, and welcome to Mixed DNA Podcast, the podcast with two mixed race hosts talking about any and everything. Each week, we pick a topic, do some research, throw in our own thoughts and opinions, and experiences where applicable, and put everything together to share with all of you. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Melissa. Today's episode, episode number 76, is Mixed DNA and Creation Stories. Everyone loves a good story, and there's none better than a great origin story. We all came from somewhere, and whether you're a believer in religion, or science, or both, God, or the Big Bang Theory, or something else more obscure, all origin stories are quite interesting. The mythologies of all the world's people are designed to answer questions like who we are as a people, or how did we originate, or why do we die? Many of the stories we'll share today will have commonalities, similarities, while each story will still be unique within its own right. From complex tales to more linear variations, Each religion, people, country, town, or village the world over has an interpretation of how the world started and how we, the people, all got here. The most well-known story on our westernized side of the world is the Genesis story from the Bible. The story comes from Judaism and was adopted by Christianity. It's the one Melissa and I knew growing up since we both attended Catholic schools. The creation story from the biblical book of Genesis describes how God created heaven and earth, plants and animals, and people. And later, how the first people were cast out of the Garden of Eden as punishment for eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The story is as follows. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, and that was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. I didn't specifically know what a firmament was when I started this rendition, so I looked it up, and in case you don't know, By definition, it is a vast, solid dome created by God in biblical cosmology, specifically for this story. Continuing, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Even though it sounds like we're reading you a sermon, we are not. (laughs) And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. 
And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle all over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created she them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree, yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and, behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. The second part of the story that is more about the sins of man rather than the actual creation of earth and people continues on with Adam and Eve and Eve eating the apple from the tree of knowledge after being tempted from the serpent and then she convinces Adam to eat the fruit from the tree, and then they get exiled and banned from the garden. And they're both punished. And because of them, we are all punished, and now we live in this crappy world with crappy shit, and we have periods and mortgages. It's funny how the beginning started so, like, he created, he created, he created, and then it's like, you suck if you do this, I will smite you, go to hell if you do this. What happened to all the creating? And now we're all smithing. There are many interesting stories in the Old Testament of the Bible besides Adam and Eve in the garden. There's Noah and the ark, Abraham and Isaac, and Joseph and his fancy technicolor dream coat, just to name a few. <laughs> that one's my favorite. <laughs> We're not making fun of the Bible. We, we grew up on the Bible, so... But still, we can still... If we can't laugh at our religion, what can we laugh at? <laughs> That's true. Joseph and the technicolor dream coat was pretty damn... pretty damn popular. 
Go, 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 Joseph. It's a very good play. Genesis does seem like a string of epic tragedies, but the Old Testament as a collection is basically a story of how the world got its population, land, and religion. In the Bible, do they talk about where he created moneyeth and thou shall all killeth for this? Can't say I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. Someone did give Maxwell a children's Bible when he was for his baptism. Um, and when he was a baby, I actually used to read it because I actually find the story when they're through a child's perspective and it's all illustrated. Yeah, it's much better. So it's all these like little brown people. They should be brown people. And it has all the main important stories. So I was like, oh, it's very interesting. I should actually probably read it to him again. Not because it's a Bible, but the stories are, they're not bad, the stories. The Genesis creation story is also the story of Judaism, with different wording and other subtle differences. The authors of the Hebrew creation narrative borrowed themes from Mesopotamian mythology, but adapted them to their unique belief in God. The first major comprehensive draft of the initial five books, Genesis until the end of Deuteronomy, is thought to have been composed in the late 7th or the 6th century BCE, known as the Jawis source and was later expanded by other authors, the priestly source, into a work very much like the Genesis that we are familiar with today. The combined narrative is a critique of Mesopotamian theology of creation. The combined narrative is compelling in its archetypal character, its adaptation of myth to monotheistic ends. The next creation story we want to share is the Egyptian creation story, or mythology, which we originally shared in our Egyptian history episode, episode number 44. As one of the oldest and most well-known civilizations in the world, their story is quite interesting, as it's one of the oldest creation stories around. At first, there was nothing but Nun, the primal ocean of chaos which contained the seeds of everything to come. In his jumble of waters, the sun god reposed. Finally, by an exertion of will, he emerged from chaos as Ra and gave birth to Shu, and Tefnut by himself. In turn, Shu, the god of air, and Tefnut, the goddess of moisture, gave birth to Geb and Nut, the earth god and sky goddess. Thus, the physical universe was created. Men were created from Ra's tears. Eons passed and Ra grew decrepit. So the ungrateful race of men plotted against Ra. When Ra learned of these plots, he angrily called a council of the gods. The gods decided that mankind must be destroyed, and Ra dispatched the goddess Hathor to wipe out humankind. Hathor did an effective job of it, killing men by the tens of thousands, until only a tiny remnant was left. Then Ra relented and men were spared. But Ra was thoroughly sick of the world and retreated into the heavens, leaving Shu to reign in his place. At that time, the present world was established. Against the orders of Ra, Geb, the earth god, and Newt, the sky goddess, married. Then Ra, in his wrath, ordered Shu, the air god, to separate them. Shu defeated Geb and raised Newt aloft, separating them permanently. However, Newt was pregnant, and Ra had decreed that she could not give birth in any month of any year. Seeing her plight, the god of learning, Thoth, gambled with the moon for extra light, and thus was able to add five extra days to the official Egyptian calendar of 360 days. On those five days, Newt gave birth to Osiris, Horus the Elder, Set, Isis, and Nephthys successively. Osiris became the incarnation of good, 
while Set became the embodiment of evil. In this manner, the two poles of morality were fixed once and for all. Don't take this version of the Egyptian story as gospel. The Egyptian civilization has many theories and beliefs on how everything unfolded. Ancient Egyptians had a vivid imagination that led to many complex versions on how their civilization was created. They believed at the moment of creating a world, a world order was created which contained the basic principles of life, nature, and society that were governed by the gods at the moment of creation. Many texts found in pyramids from the Old Kingdom, 2780 to 2250 BC, located on the pyramid walls, tombs, temples, and the legendary Book of the Dead all show information that pertains to the creation myths. Let's take a look into another of the oldest civilizations on the planet, the Chinese. Chinese creation myths are symbolic narratives about the origins of the universe, earth, and life. In Chinese mythology, the term cosmogonic myth or origin myth is more accurate than creation myth or story, since very few of their stories involve a creator deity or a divine will. Similar to the Egyptians, the Chinese have various versions and myths available, but we'll just share one called Pengu and the Egg of the World, which is believed to have been first documented over 1,700 years ago. The story is as follows. In the beginning was a huge egg containing chaos, a mixture of yin and yang, female, male, aggressive, passive, cold, hot, dark, light, and wet, dry. Within this, yin and yang was Pangu, who broke forth from the egg as the giant who separated chaos into many opposites, including earth and sky. Pangu stood in the middle, his head touching the sky, his feet planted on earth. The heavens and the earth began to grow at a rate of 10 feet a day, and Pangu grew along with them. After another 18,000 years, the sky was higher and the earth was thicker. Pengu stood between them like a pillar, 30,000 miles in height, so they would never again join. When Pengu died, his skull became the top of the sky, his breath became the wind and clouds, his voice the rolling thunder. One eye became the sun and the other the moon. His body and limbs turned into five big mountains, and his blood formed the roaring water. His veins became roads, and his muscles turned to fertile land. The innumerable stars in the sky came from his hair and beard, and flowers and trees from his skin. His marrow turned to jade and pearls. His sweat flowed like the good rain and the sweet dew that nurtures all things on earth. Some people say that the fleas and the lice on his body became the ancestors of humanity. But it's a cool story, though. I mean, not the, the maggots, but I like the story. It's simple, and I just like it. It's my favorite thus far. Another ancient civilization that has an interesting story are the Japanese. In Japanese mythology, the Japanese creation story is one that describes the legendary birth of the celestial and creative world, the birth of the first gods, and the birth of the Japanese archipelago. Japan's oldest historical record of the Kojiki and the second oldest, the Nihon Shoki, are both full of Shinto myths and legends that include cosmogony and the creation of the world and the universe. The Japanese myth, which isn't wildly believed anymore, is as follows. Like many creation myths around the world, the universe started as silent chaos. 
Within this chaos, particles and light started to move. Light floated up faster than the particles, so the light is above the universe. The lighter particles floated up to form the clouds of Takamagahara. The heavier particles couldn't float up, so they formed a mass called Earth below heaven. When heaven was formed, five deities, the Koto Amatsukami, appeared. Three came into being before the last two and are known as the Zoku Sanshin. These five kami were Hitorigami because they appeared spontaneously, as opposed to a male-female pair which most gods are said to come from, didn't have a partner, and were essentially genderless. After these kami emerged, they went into hiding. From there emerged the Kamiyo Nanyo, the seven generations of the Age of the Gods. Two more Hitorigami appeared, followed by five pairs of male-female kami. Also, like many myths throughout the world, these pairs were husband and wife, but also brother and sister. While there is an innumerable amount of kami now in Japanese belief systems, the creation myth shows how it all started. The last pair were Izanami and her brother Izagani, respectively known as she and he who invite. The siblings are two of the most important kami and are said to be the creators of hundreds of millions of other kami. If you haven't realized it by now, kami is a Japanese word for deity. In Japanese, the character can be translated to god, lord, or deity, so all are acceptable. In Shinto specifically, kami refers to all divine beings of heaven and earth that appear in the classics. Some of the kami embody the divine ancestors of Japanese people, and other kami can be the spirits of the deceased or spirits who govern nature. Let's check out the story of one more country over here in the east before we jump over to another part of the world. In Hinduism, the universe is millions of years old. In line with the Hindu belief is reincarnation. The universe we live in is not the first or indeed the last universe. Unlike our own beliefs, and that Hinduism has a cyclical notion of time. For Hindus, the world is created many times, over and over again, not just once and for all. In that respect, they have many variations of a creation story or myth, each an account of a different realm or world. Two of the most popular Hindu stories come from the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, sorry for the pronunciation, and the Vishnu Purana. Both accounts demonstrate the fundamental non-dualism typical of most Hindu creation accounts. The Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, version or better, part of the story is as follows. In the beginning there was self alone, in the shape of a person. He, looking round, saw nothing but his self. The first said, This is I. Therefore, he became I by name. Therefore, even now, if a man is asked, he first says, this is I, and then pronounces the other name which he may have. And because, before all this, he, the self, burnt down all evils, therefore he was a person, per usha. Verily, he who knows this burns down everyone who tries to be before him. He feared, and therefore, anyone who is lonely fears. As there is nothing but myself, why should I fear? Hence his fear passed away. For what should he have feared? But he felt no delight. Therefore, a man who is lonely feels no delight. He wished for a second. He was so large as a man that he could make a wife of himself. 
he then made this his self to fall into two, and hence arose husband, Pati, and wife, Patni. He said, We two are thus, each of us, like half a shell. Therefore the void, which was there, is filled by the wife. He embraced her, and men were born. She thought, How can he embrace me after having produced me from himself? I shall hide myself. She then became a cow. The other became a bull, and embraced her, and hence cows were born. The one became a mare, the other a stallion. The one a male ass, the other a female ass. He embraced her, and hence one-hoofed animals were born. The one became a she-goat, and the other a he-goat. The one became an ill, the other a ram. He embraced her, and hence goats and sheep were born. And thus he created everything that exists in pairs, down to the ants. Let's head south to Australia, where the indigenous people tell a story of how, when everything on earth was asleep, the father of all spirits was the only one awake. There was a time when everything was still. All the spirits of the earth were asleep, or almost all. The great father of all spirits was the only one awake. Gently, he awoke the sun mother. As she opened her eyes, a warm ray of light spread out towards the sleeping earth. The father of all spirits said to the sun mother, Mother, I have work for you. Go down to the earth and awake the sleeping spirits. Give them forms. The sun mother glided down to earth, which was bare at the time, and began to walk in all directions, and everywhere she walked, plants grew. After returning to the field where she had begun her work, the mother rested, well pleased with herself. The father of all spirits came and saw her work, but instructed her to go into the caves and wake the spirits. This time she ventured into the dark caves on the mountainsides. The bright light that radiated from her awoke the spirits, and after she left insects of all kinds flew out of the caves. The sun mother sat down and watched the glorious sight of her insects mingling with her flowers. However, once again the father urged her on. The mother ventured into a very deep cave, spreading her light around her. Her heat melted the ice, and the rivers and streams of the world were created. Then she created fish and small snakes, lizards, and frogs. Next, she awoke the spirits of the birds and animals, and they burst into the sunshine in a glorious array of colors. Seeing this, the father of all spirits was pleased with the sun mother's work. She called all her creatures to her and instructed them to enjoy the wealth of the earth and to live peacefully with one another. Then she rose into the sky and became the sun. The living creatures watched the sun in awe as she crept across the sky towards the west. However, when she finally sunk beneath the horizon, they were panic-stricken, thinking she had deserted them. All night they stood frozen in their places, thinking that the end of time had come. After what seemed to them like a lifetime, the sun mother peeked her head above the horizon in the east. The earth's children learned to expect her coming and going and were no longer afraid. At first the children lived together peacefully, but eventually envy crept into their hearts. They began to argue. The sun mother was forced to come down from her home in the sky to mediate their bickering. She gave each creature the power to change their form to whatever they chose. However, she was not pleased with the end result. The rats she had made had changed into bats. There were giant lizards and fish with blue tongues and feet. 
However, the oddest of the new animals was an animal with a bill like a duck, teeth for chewing, a tail like a beaver, and the ability to lay eggs. It was called the platypus. The sun mother looked down upon the earth and thought to herself that she must create new creatures, lest the father of all spirits be angered by what she now saw. She gave birth to two children. The god was the morning star, and the goddess was the moon. Two children were born to them, and these she sent to earth. They became our ancestors. She made them superior to the animals because they had part of her mind and would never want to change their shape. The Popol Vuh, which translated to Book of the Community in English, narrates the creation story of the Maya. In the story, the creators, Heart of the Sky, and six other deities, including the Feathered Serpent, wanted to create human beings with hearts and minds who could keep the day. But their first attempts failed. When these deities finally created humans out of yellow and white corn who could talk, they were satisfied. In another epic cycle of the story, the Death Lords of the Underworld summon the hero twins to play a momentous ball game where the twins defeat their opponents. The twins rose into the heavens and became the sun and the moon. Through their actions, the hero twins prepared the way for the planting of corn for human beings to live on earth. Because of this story, maize has always been sacred to the Maya, as the first grandparents were made of both yellow and white corn. Corn connects them with their ancestors. It feeds their spirits and their bodies. Another culture very full of lore and an ancient belief system are the Polynesians. Their creation myth is as follows. In the beginning, there was a giant shell. In the top of it was the sky, Ranji, and in the bottom was the earth, Papa. These were the parents of gods, humans, and all life in the world. They loved each other very much, held each other in a close embrace, and very soon they had given birth to six children. As the children began to grow, there was not much room inside the shell, and, longing for light and space, the children began to resent being confined between their parents' bodies. So, they plotted to separate their parents and bring about the world as we know it. One son suggested killing the parents, and Tahiti Magtea opposed, separating them altogether and refused to take part in the plot. Tain, however, eventually managed to praise Ranji and Papa apart. He did this by lying on his back and forcing the shell open, with his feet pressing upwards, just as a tree has its roots in the earth, while its trunk and branches stretch toward the sky. Ranji and Papa were finally separated, and the sky and the earth have remained apart ever since. Tahiri Magatea, the god of winds and storms, was furious with his brothers. He could not bear to see his parents being torn apart and decided to make his home between Ranji and Papa. He promised his brothers, however, that they would forever have to deal with his fury. So from time to time, he sends storms, whirlwinds, thunder and lightning to the world as a reminder of his anger. When the space between the earth and sky was wide enough, the sons decided to make humans. They worked together to mold people out of red clay. When they had finished, Tain, god of the forest, took the figures of man and woman and pressed his nose to theirs breathing the spirit of life into their lungs. The human's eyes opened. They sneezed and came to life. Papa and Renji were proud of what their sons had created, but they still missed each other's touch. And so every night, Renji cries. And in the morning, the world is damp with the dew of his tears. 
The morning mists are Papa's sighs of sadness as she thinks of her beloved Ranji, now separated from her embrace. It's really sad. It is very sad. But, I mean, it's for the sake of the creation of Earth, but still very sad. Moving over to North America, we thought it only fitting to share creation stories from some of the indigenous community whose land we all live on. A version of the Cherokee creation story says that long ago, the Earth was just a big island floating in a bigger ocean. The Earth was hanging from four cords coming down from the sky, which was made of solid rock. It was dark all the time, and the animals couldn't see where they were going. So they got the sun and set it in a track to go over the island every day, from east to west, as it does now. Now there were days, and there were nights. God told the animals and plants to all stay awake for seven days and seven nights. But most of the animals and plants couldn't do it. They fell asleep. God awarded the animals who stayed awake and let them see in the dark, so they could go around all night. Those were the owls and the panthers. And God rewarded the plants that had stayed awake and let them keep their leaves all year. These were the pine trees, the laurels, and the cedars. God told the other trees that they would lose their leaves every winter. Last came people, after all this. But once there were a few people, they had too many children and there were too many people. So the people decided that each woman would have only one child a year. When the world gets old and worn out, the people will all die, and the cords that hold the earth up will break and let the earth sink down into the ocean, and it will all be water again. An Anishi Nabe creation story says that when the earth was young, it had a family. The moon is called grandmother, and the sun is called grandfather. This family is basis of all creation in the universe. This family was created by Gitchi Manitou the creator. Earth is said to be a woman. She preceded man and her name is Mother Earth because all living things live from her gifts. Water is her lifeblood. It flows through her, nourishes her, and purifies her. Mother Earth was given four sacred directions, north, south, east, and west. Each direction contributes a vital part of her wholeness. Each direction and all things on Mother Earth have physical powers and spiritual powers. When she was young, Mother Earth was filled with beauty. The Creator sent his singers in the form of birds to carry the seeds of life to all the four sacred directions. Life was spread across the land. The Creator placed the swimming creatures in the water. He placed the crawling things and the four-legged animals on land. He gave life to all the plants and insects of the world. All parts of life lived in harmony with each other on Mother Earth. Gitchi Manitou took the four parts of Mother Earth and blew them into a sacred magic shell. From the union of the four sacred elements and his breath, man was created. It is said that Gitchi Manitou then lowered man to the earth. Thus, man was the last form of life to be placed on Earth. From this original man came the Anishinaabe people. This man was created in the image of Gichi Manitou. Man was part of Mother Earth. He lived in brotherhood with all life that surrounded him. Africa is a continent rooted in tradition and folklore, and their creation stories vary from country to country and from tribe to tribe. There are hundreds and possibly even thousands of variations available. The Zulu myth is that the ancient one, 
known as Unkulunkulu, is the Zulu creator. He came from the reeds, and from them he brought forth the people and the cattle. He created everything that is, mountains, streams, all creatures, wild and domestic. He taught the Zulu how to hunt, how to make fire, and how to grow food. He is considered to be the first man and is in everything that he created. The Yoruba myth starts, In the beginning, all that existed were the water, land, and sky, which was ruled by Olorun. Another god named Obatala went to Olorun to ask if he could create land for living things to exist. When he was granted permission, Olorun visited Oromila, Olorun's first son, to consult with him about his wish. In response, Oromila told him that he must obtain a gold chain, a snail shell filled with sand, palm nuts, corn, and a special egg that encompassed the essence of both the men and women Orishas. Obatala hung the gold chain from the sky and climbed down to earth, only to find that he could only go so far due to the chain's length. When he reached back to pour the sand from the snail's shell to form the dry land, he dropped the special egg and released Sankofa. When he reached the earth, Obatala spread the sand and planted the pine nuts. He even founded a hill and called it Ife. After a while, he decided to fashion human beings to keep him company, because his task was quite lonely. He founded the city of Ife, and the gods and goddesses visited him and his creations on earth frequently. To sum up today's episode, we can say that the creation story, or the creation myth, is a supernatural mytho-religious story or explanation that describes the beginnings of humanity, earth, life, and the universe, usually as a deliberate act of creation by one or more deities. Many creation stories share broadly similar themes. Common ones include the fractionation of things of the world from a primordial chaos, the separation of the mother and father gods, land emerging from an infinite and timeless ocean, or creation out of nothing. The beliefs and stories we share today are not literal accounts, but they share and express ideas that are perceived by cultures and communities to be truths at a deeper or symbolic level. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, and we do hope that you liked today's episode and found it interesting and informative. Please remember to like, follow, or subscribe to Mixed DNA Podcast wherever you're listening from right now, and leave a review if you can. We would really appreciate it as likes, follows, and positive reviews help to ensure we're reaching as wide an audience as possible. Also remember to follow us on social media, Facebook, or Instagram at Mixed DNA Podcast, where each week we post relevant information about the content we focused on for each week's podcast episode. Also, check us out online at mixdna.ca where you can find all our past episode, links to research that helps with each episode, our Mixed Monday features, info about Vanessa and myself, and our online storefront where you can purchase Mixed DNA merchandise with various mixed race forward designs on t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, and so much more. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone, and you'll hear from us again next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.